Welcome back. Another episode of the City is Alive podcast. Ethan Birch and Gerard Rapoli with you on episode number four. And yes, it's been a couple weeks without an episode. It's been two weeks without an episode, but there were reasons for it. Moving into college and more, but we're back and we're going to be back on a weekly basis, hopefully until the end of the year, the year of 2021. We want to kind of go strong for the rest of it. But a lot, has, a lot has changed since our most recent episode back two weeks ago. And to summarize what happened, it was the Mets were up four games on the division. It was getting close by the time, the last time we recorded a podcast. It was. And we were on the edge. It was coming up on the 13 games against the Dodgers and Giants. And it was also coming up on that big series in Philadelphia. And it did not go the Mets way. The Mets were swept in Philadelphia, topped off by a Wheeler performance. He, a, a, a nine inning complete game two hit piece where he just tore the Mets apart bad Mets continue to have a lackluster week. And then they meet the Dodgers giants Dodgers. And now we're about to see the giants again. So it's a good time to get back on the mic and talk about it. But Gerard, how are we feeling? About the Mets. I'm feeling all right, a little bit better. I, like you said, it's a lot different of a feeling than last time we recorded, but starting to get my, starting to believe a little bit more after that big win again in LA. So hopefully this giant series can go good and next week we'll be a little bit happier. I hope so because it's not only the Mets that aren't playing well, it's the Braves that are playing well. The Braves are scorching hot right now. They're getting production out of Freddie Freeman tremendously. He's put himself up in the top four for MVP voting. His war is through the roof. You guys got you got guys like Austin Riley tearing it up. He's top 10 in NL in hits. Uh, he might be one of the most underrated players in all of baseball because I, th- I, I think he's really good. I mean, I don't watch the Braves every day, but when he plays against the Mets, he loves playing against the Mets. And it's not even just against the Mets. He, t- he tears teams up in the National League. He's been great. Riley, Ozzy Albies has been playing probably the best baseball of his career, actually the best baseball of his career. I mean, it doesn't get better than this. They're getting it. They're making it work. Max Freed throws a 90 complete, 90 pitch complete game shutout. A Maddox, he threw a Maddox the other day. I mean, he, he's tearing up. It's hard. This division has not gotten easier for the Mets. The Braves have won their last nine out of 10, but the good part is that they're playing against the other hottest team in baseball, the Yankees. The Yankees... I mean, ever since acquiring Rizzo and Gallo are 17 and three, but I mean, Rizzo hasn't done much since his two Homer game. Luke Voigt has been doing most of the carrying and Gallo has been good, but I mean, nothing has necessarily opened my, lifted my eyebrows about what Gallo and Rizzo have done. They've just been good players and they've turned the momentum on a ball team or a ball club around. And that's what looking back on, I hate to say it, but that's what I wish the Mets would have done made moves that, not necessarily would have blown the roof off the house, but a move that would have shifted momentum in the clubhouse because the Yankees didn't change all that much. They added two good left-handed batters and they're not even performing like absurdly well, but everybody else is now. That's a downside with a guy like Baez. I mean, he's obviously a great player, but those strikeouts that he has at least, once or twice a game, maybe three times, they aren't doing any – like, it's not what you want, especially in a team that strikes out a lot like the Mets. Baez leads, uh, leads the NL in strikeouts. And when you were scouting for a trade candidate for the Mets at the deadline, you would have thought of someone that wouldn't have strike, striked out a lot or struck out a lot because of the 
disappointment with runners in scoring position. So that's, that was the one thing lingering in my head when all this happened. Why go for a guy who strikes out a lot when you're looking for someone to produce in moments like that? So actually, before we jump into what, I, what we were going to talk about, I, I don't know if you saw, you, you sent me that article and I ended up reading it a little bit. It was at the deadline. The Mets were close to making a trade with the Cubs that would involve Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, and another pitcher, probably better than Trevor Williams. No, it was Trevor Williams. So Trevor Williams and maybe someone else I heard too. So it might have been four guys for Pete Crow Armstrong, a top prospect, and then someone on the major league roster who has a couple years of control. What in the world would have happened? I mean, if the Mets yeah. – and the reason that they didn't do it, the Mets have backed out of this is because they were uncertain of their superstar phenom pitcher, Jacob deGrom, who's now out for the season, which we'll get into more of that later. Now, what are your thoughts on this move by the Mets? Are you disappointed that they didn't go harder because deGrom was out? Or are you disappointed that they're almost – not giving up because they still made the move for Baez, but they took a step back because the Grom wasn't here. Was that a problem, or would you have wanted them to go harder? I think because, especially the, they obviously knew the Grom was going to be out. Like, yeah, they were just pushing off as long as they can. I think knowing that they knew that the Grom was going to be out, they sh- should have even wanted to do that even more. Like, I know that would have more sense. Make sense to me. Yeah, so pretty much why make the trade and deal a number five prospect if you're already taking that step down? So my guess is the three players the Mets would have dealt is obviously Pico Armstrong. My other guess would be Ronnie Mauricio because they wanted a top prospect that the Mets aren't dealing uh, Brett Beatty or Francisco Alvarez. Those guys are locks because those guys have future spots on the roster. Without a doubt, Ronnie Mauricio, on the other hand, as much as the Mets want to use that switch hitting slugger, who's probably going to be a stud, the shortstop position is taken up by Francisco Lindor already. So you have to take that into consideration. He would have been that guy. But then the other question, who's the major league talent? Is it Dom Smith or is it J.D. Davis? And I could have thought being Dom Smith. You think it would have been Dom Smith? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if the Mets were that close, they already said they weren't going Dom Smith. But ah, who knows? I mean, J.D. Davis could have been up there. Um, I don't know, but that was just something to think about at the thinking point because we saw that and I know Mets fans were a little upset. They were upset. Actually, they weren't a little upset because so the Mets say that DeGrom's not coming back. He should have gone harder and did more at the deadline, but they didn't. They took a step back. So it's kind of almost, it's like a quitter mentality almost, but at the same time, you're not quitting because you gave your number five prospect for Javier Baez. Anyway, Baez, he missed a lot of time. He missed 11 days on the IL with back tightness and hip tightness, but he's back. And the first game he does come back, he makes immediate impact. His first at-bat in LA, he rips an RBI double to get the Mets on the board. Baez was real good, and he made a huge impact on this team. Now the question is, how much of an impact can Baez make for this ball club? He had a good day. He went two for four. He did strike out once, but he had an RBI. And you know what you're getting on him on the defensive side, not to mention that gorgeous slide he made at the second base. To extend the inning too. And JD Davis hit a two run homer right after that. Oh yeah. I mean, so we know Baez is a playmaker, but Gerard, I want to ask you, is Baez enough to turn this team around? Because you know what you get out of Javi when he's hot. 
but you also know what you're getting on the flip side when he strikes out a whole bunch. Now, where do the Mets stand? Is Javi Baez going to get the Mets over that hump? Because now we spoke about it. We don't want the Mets to be behind six or seven games. We wanted three or four because we figured we'd lose a couple series to the Dodgers and Giants. Best case scenario, scenario, I figured this out the other night, four and a half is best case scenario. Braves lose tonight. We sweep the Giants. That's four and a half. So that that would put us where we wanted to. Is that going to happen? Yes, the question, is that going to happen? Well, you get Baez back. You get Lindor. Hopefully tonight. I don't know about it. I have a feeling he'll be back in the lineup tonight. I hope he's back tonight. tonight. If, if it's not tonight, it's going to be Wednesday, which is tomorrow. We're recording this on Tuesday, so I'm going to put it out right after we record this so you'll get it. Mets have a game tonight against the Giants, City Field. We're back home. Sure, sure we'll get some. Mm-hmm. We'll sell some seats tonight. It's the MLB free game of the day if, you're, if you can't watch it on cable. Tyler Miguel. Is on the mound for the Mets, facing off against Sammy Long. Sammy Long's back end of the rotation, so this is the game to win with Tyler Miguel on the mound. Miguel's been phenomenal. His last time out there was against the Giants. He threw six innings, five hits, one earned run, two walks, six Ks. Mm-hmm. Did not get a decision in that one. I mean, that's disappointing, but Miguel goes back out there tonight. Tomorrow, it looks like all the pitching matchups are set. It's Tywon Walker versus Johnny Cueto tomorrow, and then Carlos Carrasco versus Alex Wood on Thursday. It's a winnable series for the Mets. Very winnable because series. thing is, I, I, you wanted this Giants team to at least fall back a little bit and struggle. They're not. I don't know if you know, but the, just, uh, just, just two weeks ago, just a week ago, a week and a half ago, I would say, the Dodgers were four games behind the Giants. Now they won nine out of ten and they only picked up a game and a half because that's how good the Giants are playing baseball. Which I don't understand. I've been telling you this. Like, I I don't get it. They played a weekend series against the Oakland Athletics in the Battle of the Bay. The Battle of the Bay happens every year. It's one one series a year, I believe, I think. And it's a trophy passed back to whoever wins between the Oakland A's and the Giants. Mm -hmm. Oakland A's, one of the hottest teams, one of the best teams in baseball this year no doubt. And the Giants beat them two out of three. They lost the first one, and then they won the last two. Did you see how they won the two games they won? Yep. Unbelievable. Home runs down to their final strike, down to their yep. final out. Way Jr. hit one. And Way that was his only hit of the series. Solano was the other one? Yeah, David, David Solano. It's unbelievable. It really is. It, it's unbelievable how this ball club continues to do what they do. But it's any time to beat them, it's now. Pick up momentum right now, and you got 14 games in a row against the Marlins and Nationals. And at that point, you have no choice but to dominate. Very excited for that. The Mets come in today as 57% chances to win. I'm sure that's based on pitching matchups. That's based off the last game the Mets played. But I want to talk about how Sammy Wong goes against not very well-hitting teams. I was looking at Sammy Wong's stats in – when he faces the good hitting teams, seems like he does well. And when he faces teams like Arizona, looks like he pitched a total of nine innings against Arizona and gave up nine runs. Really? Texas for four innings, gave up three runs. Colorado for one inning, gave up four runs. So mm-hmm. not too great against the not too hot hitting team. So hopefully the Mets can take advantage of that tonight. 
Absolutely. Uh, they they need to. They need to because it looks like hopefully we're Yankees fans for this week as the Yankees are playing the, the Braves. They won Monday night. The Yankees are just tearing it up. They're getting new production from each guy every night. Stanton was big last night, three RBIs and a bomb. You gotta, you gotta root for the Yanks. <laughs> Listen, the Mets, all they can do is win ball games. So I wanna, I wanna continue on Baez. Do you think so? Put this in scenario: Javier Baez goes out there. The Mets win two out of three this week against the Giants. They play oh, a good, they play a good series against the Nationals, and they ride high. They make a run. But they necessarily come up. They come up necessarily short of the playoff of the playoffs. But Javier Baez is hot. He played well. He hit he hit eight, eight or nine more home runs this year. He does well. He finishes with over thirty bombs. He finished with an average of two fifty five plus. Do you sign Javier Baez back if you don't make the playoffs, or if the Mets make the playoffs, do they have to sign him back? See, I'll answer your question. But in my opinion, I think it's one of two things. One, the Mets miss the playoffs and Javi Baez doesn't do well. Or two, if Javi Baez catches fire, we make the playoffs. That's how I'm seeing this. Yeah. But I'll put it in what you said with he plays well and they miss the playoffs. Yeah, because, yeah, I want to hear that scenario. I don't think they sign him. Yeah. I I personally think Javi Baez is going to want another – he's going to want a $200 million contract. I don't think we're going to give that to him. And I can see – us going after a player more like Chris Bryant. You know, that's what they should have done at the deadline, and they messed that yeah. up. I, I really upset about that because Chris Bryant's a phenomenal player, plays around, and he hasn't strike out a lot like Baez. Anyway, is Baez – you have to answer this right now, right now. Like, this is your final answer for the season. Is Baez that guy for the Mets for the rest of the way? Because I'll answer two, and we may both look like idiots, but whatever. It's fun. Is Baez that guy? Does he catch fire in New York? You got a great week of baseball coming up. Well, are you saying? Are you asking me if he's going to catch fire? Yeah, is because he just he comes off the aisle. He's a great game. Lindor is coming back. They're I best think, friends. They're yeah. gonna have fun. Listen to their next schedule because listen, this is fun. Three against the Giants. Three against the Nationals. Four against the Marlins. All in Flushing, Queens. Listen, this is the time of the year. They just went yeah. through the dog days of. August, they get an off day just yesterday. They're going to be locked and low. They get another off day next week. This is where baseball teams hit strides and get hot. Does Javi Baez get hot for the New York Mets, Gerard? Yes, 100%. I think with Lindor coming back, I'm hoping it's tonight. That That's going to be a lot of fun to watch in the middle infield. Oh. I'm, I'm very excited to see that. I've been looking forward to this since even a Baez room before even a Baez rumors came around. Like, right as they started coming, we were imagining Baez and Lindor in the middle infield, and we loved it. We do. And I'm, I'm really excited to see this these this duo in the middle infield. And I say with Lindor and Baez back-to-back, I can see Lindor hitting two, Baez hitting four or five. Lindor gets on, Baez picking him up. They're going to bring a lot of energy to the clubhouse. I can see this. I can see Baez bringing a lot of fire to this team. Slugging 476 right now. That could be better, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to say that Javier Baez goes off for the Mets, and I'm saying this in confidence. I think that I want to talk a little bit about the road trip, not a lot, because the Mets struggled. They went 2-5 and five on this recent road trip to Los Angeles and San Francisco, but 
we spoke about it, Gerard. The Mets are just one hit away. They are. They lost five one-run games. They went 0-5 in one-run games against the two best teams in baseball. That's not a bad sign. It's a bad sign that they're losing those games, but it's a better sign that you're one hit away and you're getting two phenomenal hitters back. And as soon as you get your hitter back, you win seven to two. And I think it's an even better sign that they were playing absolutely horrible in those one run games. They were playing horrendous. And they lost by one. How good is the pitching been? Unreal. It's like not even worth talking about because they've been dominating so much all season. Going out there, blood, sweat, and tears. Aaron Loop dominating. Edwin Diaz dominating. Tyler Tyler Miguel. Tylen Walker's been picking up. Marcus Stroman goes out there and literally dominates every single time. He's not spoke about enough at all. He's going to make good money this offseason. The Mets should re-sign him instantly. I mean, it's insane to me how good this pitching has been. And if the offense was average... Mm-hmm. This team would be in first place. And that's why I think if this team heats up and Baez and Lindor can get this energy going for this ball club and they can find a way to make the playoffs, those one-run game, one-run losses are going to turn into four or five-run wins. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch come this next few weeks and yeah. hopefully the playoffs. That will be a lot of fun. What if I told you that you were a manager of a team Looking to sign just, it's February. You're looking to just add a lefty reliever and you're kind of done. You didn't really get who you wanted, but you, you land a sidearm lefty and you're in August and he's appeared 49 times and he's got a 1.09 ERA and 41 and a, th- and a third innings pitched. And he's got 45 Ks. And pretty much every time you put him in, he's just shutting the door. What I would you say him. to that? I love him. I love him. Aaron Loop. Aaron Loop. He's unbelievable. He's got a whip of 0.9. I remember the beginning of the year. I think it was the first year of the year. He came in with the bases loaded and hit Bryce Harper. And <laughs> hit Bryce Harper with the pitch and a run came to score. And that lost him the game. And I hated him probably up until June or July, actually, when I realized how good he actually was. <laughs> he just yeah. gave up. He just gave off a really bad first impression. I'm pretty sure it was his first appearance as a Met. And he hit Bryce Harper with the bases loaded, and I hated him for a while. And now I'm upset. I love this guy. I he's, love a, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable, man. I love him so much. And I'm looking at his baseball savant profile right now because I just want to get a look at it. I'm looking it up as we speak. Aaron Loop. So good. I mean, look, listen, Miguel Castro, he's been playing well. Trevor May, I mean, he has his shaky starts, but he's been solid. The Mets bullpen, it doesn't have many complaints. How about Jake Reed? Jake Reed, summer reader from the right side. He comes in with electricity. Slam the door in that extra inning game. In the Giants game. Yep. I don't know if that's the guy you want to be your go-to, but he's a good He's put it up numbers, man, and that's yeah, all you yeah. could ask for right now. He's yeah. coming in. He came yeah. in on a road trip in the West Coast, and when you go on a road trip on the West Coast, especially in these when the two teams you're playing are the two best teams in baseball, you got you to gotta bring a couple extra arms. You don't know what you're dealing with, and the Mets handled it really well. I mean, listen to this. People, uh, Aaron Loop, his barrel percentage is in the 100th percentile. That means – Borderline, nobody barrels the ball against him. His hard hit rate is 58%, so no one hits him hard. His chase rate is 76% in the 60, 76 percentile. His walk rate is the 90. He doesn't walk anybody. No one slugs off him. 
And his exit velocity is in the 63rd percentile. So his season is through the roof. He has a career low in slugging OPA, OBA and WOOBA as well. Unreal. His barrel percentage is 2%. Best of his career. He's putting up a career year, and it's literally – I don't know where the Mets – don't know where the Mets would be without him. I don't yeah. know if there's any avoiding that, that debate. The Mets are nowhere without Aaron Luke. But we talked about the hitting. We talked about the pitching because the pitching is well shout out. Shout out Stroman. Familia has been good. Walker, May, Diaz, Castro, Loop, Lugo. Um, yeah, everyone, everyone's been doing their job as a reason. Yeah. yeah, you're right. The only guy that has him is – Carlos Carrasco, but yeah, Carrasco. I mean, how, how disappointing has he been? Yeah, he's been scaring me. He goes Thursday. He's got an eight point eight two ERA. When did he pitch last? Which game? The, he pitched game? in a three two loss. He gave up three runs in three innings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, that he, he five innings, three runs, five hits, a walk, six Ks. It's not terrible, but for the Mets, it's bad because you're not scoring three runs against the Giants, and they proved that. I mean, excuse me, the Dodgers. Well, just got it confirmed. Francisco Lindor returns from the IL tonight. Let's go. Per Anthony DeComo, his first game since July 16th. How impactful is Lindor? We spoke about Baez. We both think that he can be electric. What about Frankie? What about All Right Frankie? It's a perfect segue into our All Right Frankie segment. I think Lindor is going to bring a lot of excitement to this team. And him and Baez together, I said this multiple times already, that's just going to be extremely fun to watch, man. They consider it the most electric middle infield in baseball now between uh, Francisco Lindor and Baez. So what I do like about Lindor, which I'm checking up right now, his walk rate is 11.3%. That's the highest it's ever been in his career. Lindor? Yes. Lindor, when he played early on in this year, obviously he only played for the first half for getting that oblique injury and coming out for a little bit. But his walk rate is higher than it's ever been. He's not necessarily playing terrible baseball. And people consider average his 228 average, which actually increased because he was getting hot when he got injured, which sucked. That's the worst part about it. It's that people judge him by his average, which kind of sucks. I mean, his slugging isn't great, of course, but he gets on base 32, 33% of the time. And that's not bad at all. And say he gets hot. Him and Bias can very, very easily turn things around and turn the entire season around for the Mets, and that's the most astonishing part. And what we didn't talk about at all is how good Pete Alonso was on this road trip. Oh, my. We're missing Alonso. He's been unbelievable. How have we not mentioned Pete Alonso? My, oh, my. Pete Alonso is everything the Mets could have asked for. He's the only source of offense. Over the past month, I 
I mean, if you're going to build a team around anyone, it's Pete Alonso. He's a leader. He goes out there. He talks to the media every day. And I, yeah, Mets fans hate that he's positive, but he's positive and he's okay to be positive because you know, like when you, we're both baseball players, we used to be at least, yeah, you, you have a good, you go to a double header, you have a good game. You get like three or four hits. Uh, you had a, you mix a double in there and you go home and you're like, yeah, we went over two in the double header, but I did good. Yeah. And you, and that's not the mentality to have in major league baseball at all. But like, when you're tearing it up as much as Pete Alonso is right now, it's impossible to go home and just – you're the only one who hits. Yeah, he's got to be frustrated, but I he is, he's not showing any signs of it. He's just worried about this team winning, and he's a big believer in this team, which I love. He's never he's got, got a, his head down. He's got a slash line of 251, 341, and 516. He gets on base 43, 34% of the time, and he slugs over 500. It's a solid, yeah. solid hitter in this game. He's just getting better. I'm excited. I I am so unbelievably excited for Pete Alonso, how he is going to mature in this league because just three seasons in, he's got the most home runs in Major League Baseball since he entered. He's entering his 100th. He's coming up on his 100th home run. You'd hope that he's going to get close to 40 home runs by the end of the year and him, him, Francisco Lindor, and Javier Baez, they get hot, and they could turn this whole team around. You saw what – I mean, listen, we spoke earlier about the Yankees and what Rizzo and Gallo did to this team as soon as they entered. Why not the same with Javier Baez and Francisco Lindor? My it's opinion, two better like, players. And it's like getting two guys at the deadline. These guys, I mean, Francisco hasn't played in two months. You're getting him, and you're pretty much picking up Baez right off the injured list. He barely played as a Met. I mean, this is unbelievable. And even when Baez, he he did struggle, but he had two game, he had two huge home runs as a Met. He's gonna perform. He's gonna perform. He wants to. He's gonna enjoy the energy. Francisco, listen, the Mets were forty seven and forty when Francisco Lindor was in the lineup. Obviously, you can do the math. They're sixty and sixty one and sixty three now. When Francisco plays, the Mets win ball games, and that's why they paid him four hundred three hundred forty one million dollars. That's the thing. I'm just hoping he's in a lineup tonight. Yeah, even if he's not see him off the bench and the, i i assume that when he's activated he's ready to play yep yeah. he's, in the, he's in the lineup tonight luis rojas just announced he is, is luis the rojas on a press he's activated he's in the lineup tonight he will take the middle infield with javier Baez, according to joe DeMaio. is the lineup out yet or no nope i'm sure we'll get it soon it's 4 yeah. 12 p.m right now first pitch at 7 10 i mean this is huge i don't think i've been excited, excited for, a for the game. series i am too I really I'm am. For the series. This should be a fun series. The Mets need to. I mean, they're they're not facing. They don't get gauze. They don't have to worry about Webb, and they don't have to worry about uh, DeSclafani. So, when you face yeah, the Giants, and you don't got to worry about any of those three, I mean, let's take advantage. Yeah, as of three days ago, we were supposed to get DeSclafani and Gossman. I don't know what happened. I think both of them at the IL. Both of them did. Something happens. I I don't know exactly. Huh. Or did they pitch this weekend? Let's see. Who went on Sunday for the Giants? It looks like neither Webb went. So Logan Webb's not pitching the series. That's good because Webb looked good against the Mets. Then, okay, Gauze went on Saturday. What happened to DiSclefani? Or did he go on Friday? I, I, I know – so DiSclefani, actually, I'm mistaken. He may have went off the IL right before he faced the Mets. 
Yeah, Discofani hasn't pitched, and he's he actually probably is on the IL right now because Woods taking a spot. Discofani was slated to go Thursday, yeah. and now Woods pitching for him. So Discofani's probably on the IL, which is good. I mean, listen, you, you got you got to win ball games. It's at this point. I don't care who is on the field. I don't care what team we're playing. I don't care if it's Triple A. If the Mets are playing a baseball team right now, they need to win. If it counts, so yeah. take what you get. But just speaking on Alonzo one more time, scorching hot. His back, we need this. We need a high, they need to hire him a chiropractor specifically for after the games, cracking his back and stretching him out because he's carrying the load. You can't ask the guy to do anymore when he's driving in three a game and you're losing it. He was in the game four to three. How many RBIs does he have this year? I'll tell you right now. Pete Alonso has 73 RBIs. It's not bad. It's good. Bias has 69, I just saw, correct? You'd have to look it up. I'm looking at Baez right now. I don't know if the top man. I don't want to spit anything out and not correct. Yeah, I'm pretty I mean, 20, sure. I 28 home runs. You hope he gets 35 plus for the year, Alonzo. And he's the heart and soul of this team. I think if any, if the Mets are going to do well, it's going to be revolved around their three best players. And, you know, I mean, that's a kind of a, a gimme right there. Your three best players play well and you win games. But it's exactly what the Mets need. It really yeah. is. These three guys, and honestly, another guy I think is going to be big is Jeff McNeil. He's been on a horrible slump, and we saw towards the end of that L.A. series, he got a few good hits, but I think a guy like Jeff McNeil is the is a guy that the Mets need, a guy that doesn't necessarily strike out a lot, and a guy that hits over 300, and he hasn't been either one of those. He's actually been the opposite. Yeah. I think if he can get back to the Jeff McNeil that we know, he can also be a huge factor. Yeah, you said that he's been the opposite of what he what the I mean what his baseball card the back of his baseball card says. He's got the highest strikeout rate of his career, the lowest average of his career by far. I mean, this was a hitter who came into the league uh, a 330, 318, 311, and now 247. It's not yeah. Jeff McNeil. It's not Jeff McNeil. Are you kidding me? That's not Jeff McNeil at all. He's struggling. He is. And he's frustrated at the plate. He shows a lot of emotion. And he had a bad strikeout in L.A. in that one-run loss. And he was very, very upset. And he was screaming at Bueller from the dugout. Mm-hmm. He's like, you don't get that call after that. He's, he, he was upset. And he, he's a player that Luis Rojas has described as very emotional. But that's what he brings to the table for his game. And, and McNeil has been asked. Listen, you struck out, you slammed the bat. Do you care about your sportsmanship? And he's like, or your, uh, your mentality on the field. It's like, people are watching you. And he goes, no, because I get angry and I use my anger for a hit in my next at bat. Yep. So, you know, you, you got to hope he can turn it around because I'm at, uh, everything's got to click for this team because there's six and a half back now. This is this wasn't this isn't a four game lead anymore where you kind of just containing and maintaining first place. You got to fight back, but it's baseball, and it's possible, possible. Anything's possible. In baseball. That's yep. what I love about this sport that every day is a new day, and it really is, because the hottest teams get cold, the coldest teams gets hot, and all of the above. Everything in between mm-hmm. makes the sport so good. So before we wrap up, this is a pretty probably our best episode yet. Let's talk about Degrom. DeGrom is most likely being shut down for the year. And as I bring up his final stat line for 2021, which was slated to be the greatest Jacob DeGrom, the greatest pitching season we've ever seen in Major League Baseball, 
Unfortunately, it's going to come to an end in 2021. DeGrom was unbelievable. He's going to go down as probably the dirtiest and filthiest pitcher of all time, maybe, the way he went attacked hitters. But just to read off his statistics, because they are unbelievable. In 92 innings of work, he had a 14.2K per nine, which is just it's stupid. He had a walk per nine of 1.08, so he didn't walk anybody. It was the lowest of his career. His home run rate was the second lowest of his career, 0.59. His ERA was 1.08. His war was 4.9, which right now would lead Major League Baseball if he, if he qualified, if he qualified. And the thing was this year about Jacob deGrom, over the past years, the Mets never won when deGrom pitched. He just went out there and shoved, gave up two or three runs. The Mets will lose two to one, three, two. But this year, the Mets won when he pitched. Yeah. And that's what is so harmful about watching DeGrom go down, is that they won when he pitched. They put up the necessary amount of runs, and people came to watch Jacob DeGrom play in his 33-year-old season. He went out there, and he shoved every night. And it was so much fun watching a guy who can realistically throw four to five pitches. He used three pitches all year pretty much. He used the curveball like three times. So yeah. he, he made hitters look like they don't belong in Major League Baseball using a fastball slider changeup. Mm-hmm. When will we ever see someone we use won't. that ever again? I don't know if we, we won't. won't. We won't. Right? We won't. A guy who can sit 102 for majority of the game, sit 100 miles an hour, have a have a velocity of better than almost every single starting better than every starting pitcher in baseball, it's not even close. So sad of what happened, but the beauty of it is that DeGrom will hopefully be back next year. I think the reason they're shutting him down is so they can secure him for his final year of his contract. And it sucks. It sucks. He's not ready to play and you don't want to rush him. If he was, if he had a chance to play this year, he'd play. He would. The Mets are, yeah. the Mets are in striking distance. They would. He can't though. And it's so sad. It really is. What do you take away from 2021 DeGrom? And what are you going to tell your kids when you, when they see Jacob DeGrom come up on the, on the scoreboard when you're out at city field? And your kid asks who that guy is. Best pitcher I've ever seen pitch in person. Yeah. And on TV. Maybe the dirtiest pitcher of our generation. Yeah. You know, it sucks. He came into the league so so late. He came into the league when he was 26. Run rookie of the year, 26 years old. It's too late. You know, yeah. and, and that's what's going to harm him from being one of the best pitchers of all time. It's just the shortage of his career. And the 2020 season only pitched 68 innings. Now his 2021 season only pitches 92. He, he gets, he gets screwed over by the, the short season, which sucks. Yeah. Take, it takes a chunk. I mean, it, it sucks for everybody, but it sucks for DeGrom too. Bad. And now you miss 2021, you know, and when you're looking at one of the best seasons of all time, it's, I know that Gibson pitched the whole season, but he, Jacob DeGrom 2021 season has got to be up there. It's been the best season of all time. And Maybe yeah, some of the best performances of all time, if not then. Well, I, who was the last pitcher before DeGrom to go out there for three innings against the Chicago Cubs, who have the loaded team, strike out eight of nine? What would he have done for – what? who would he have massacred for 18 more outs if he didn't leave with injury after three innings? I was actually at that game too. I remember I remember you were. You, you, I was watching the game, and I had to tell you that DeGrom was leaving because you were at the game, and they weren't showing anything. I was, they were showing DeGrom in the dugout leaving. That's when I found out. 
Oh. I could, I literally wake up, I go to sleep every night trying to think of what DeGrom would have done for 18 more outs that game. Yeah. And the thing I, was, I couldn't picture them making contact with the ball. Like, I, I couldn't imagine it. That was the most dominant nine outs I've ever seen in my life. No doubt. You cannot convince me otherwise. And he leaves with injury, which is so disappointing. But I mean, just those glimpses of players actually not touching him. Patrick Wisdom spoke on a, a radio station about, they asked him, or Barstool, they having they spoke to him on Barstool maybe? And I forgot where it was, but they were like, so what is it like going up against the Grom? Because you faced him this week and he goes, it's going into a test you studied for knowing you're going to fail. <laughs> it's insane. He's the nastiest pitcher of all time, probably. So yeah. disappointing for the season, but it's worth, it's worth talking about and it's worth praising DeGrom. And I hope he's back next year. I hope he's healthy and I hope he can play a full year because I'm on the Cy Young again. Should have won the Cy Young this year. Yeah. It's crazy. A couple big weeks coming up for baseball. Remember, the City's Alive podcast is going to be back weekly. We should have, we're brewing up a fun end to the season. I think we are. Playing from behind right now, it's not ideal, but take one game at a time. It's what you got to do. And, yeah, Phillies have an easy schedule, but I'm telling you, they're not playing much better than the Mets, and the Braves are just hot. Braves cool down. Mets get hot. That's baseball. Yep. That's baseball. Braves got a tough schedule too, man. And listen, you can be upset, and I don't even like watching. I, I love Twitter, and you can find me on Twitter, and I love tweeting. On I love tweeting, but I'll tell you, I, I've I've been upset just watching Twitter because every Mets fan is just so 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 annoying about the Mets. So negative, negative Nallies everywhere, oh. negative Nancys everywhere. Every move Luis Rojas makes, it's like the guy can't be can't make a move. So yes. We might be the most optimistic Mets podcast out right now, but I'll tell you for the right reason. They got a good schedule coming up in their favor. They're finishing up the gauntlet. And listen, if they get swept by the Giants, next podcast is going to be a whole lot different. We're probably going to be upset because they got swept against the Giants, but they need to win. They got very winnable games. And imagine the momentum after this series. It really would be great. It'd be great. The Braves have coming up. Do you know? No, let's check it out. What do you got? Yankees today, obviously. Mm-hmm. A three-game against the Giants and then a three-game against the Dodgers. Schedule right. flips. Schedule flips, man. Yeah. And then September, the end, the middle of end of September, they have Giants, Padres, Phillies, Mets for the last four series of the year. Mm-hmm. It's baseball. It's baseball. Yeah. Anything happens. Anything happens. Yep. Anything happens. It's going to wrap up episode four of the Cities Alive podcast with Ethan Birch and Gerard Rapoli. You can catch this podcast on every podcast platform. We're working on getting on Apple Podcasts, but we're back weekly. Catch us here next Tuesday or early in the week. We haven't set a date because we're both at college. We're both moving into college. So once we finalize schedules, we get a a good date out. But the Mets are back tonight against the San Francisco Giants for three, three against the Nationals, four against the Marlins, all in flushing. The electric factory is back in in opening business. We're hoping the fans are there for that. I'm excited for some good, meaningful baseball in in August and September. We haven't had that in years. Starts tonight. 
starts tonight. See you next time on the Cities Alive podcast.